Hello, and welcome to Volume 5 of the Evolution Sports Podcast. I'll be your host, Andrew Ferraro, here with my co-host, Dave Sanders. And we're going to begin our multi-part series on analytics. Uh, we've got a special guest coming on today, because we're going to talk a little bit uh, with him. But to kind of give you an idea of what analytics is and kind of why it's important, analytics really kind of impact a lot of decisions. Uh, it could be play calling, who you're going to draft, how well those players develop, kind of what you focus on, what you don't. Uh, overall as an organization how do you construct your roster uh, if you're talking football you know what kind of safeties do you want what kind of types of wide receivers if you're talking baseball you know number of lefties how many lefties you want multi-position guys and just kind of schemes defensive alignments uh, as we get into it here with our guest matt just talking about shifts how do you not shift or you know what are you doing as far as on the field so as we all know, the topic of analytics has caused a major divide between those who fully believe, those who are anti-analytics or maybe just don't fully understand it, or those who fall somewhere in the middle. So to kick things off today, we're happy to bring on Matt Winkleman, who writes about Philly's prospects for philliesminderthoughts.com. Matt sent out a couple really insightful tweets this week that provided a refreshing perspective on a topic that often gets discussed in broad strokes with strong opinions on each side, but there isn't really much discussion happening in the middle, and we're hoping to do that today. The anti-analytics community often overlooks you know, many of the metrics or database decisions that we've all become familiar with because they're actually based in analytics. You know, some of the examples are, you know, if you see a football coach on a sideline, he's got a big chart. What's it do? It tells him when he should go for two, when he should kick the extra point, even when he should go for it on fourth down. You know, stats like QB rating or even some of the traditional baseball stats like batting average. So, Matt, why do you think there's such a disconnect? We get scared when we see big numbers and computer models and when we can't calculate something immediately in our head, it kind of hides what goes into it. So batting average, I can see number of hits, number of at-bats. That's easy. I can do that on the back of a piece of paper. When you say, what is somebody's wins above replacement? There's a whole bunch of things that go in there, some of which public facing people just you don't even have access to yeah that's a really great point it's as simple as you know the typical anti-analytic argument is you know hey i can go with my gut feeling um i've seen this a lot of times most guys in organizations are lifers um you know i've been watching baseball all my life i've been scouting my entire you know professional life where for the last 20 years i've done nothing but watch pitchers and players so i know what i'm looking for as somebody that's more on the pro-analytic side, wouldn't you want the ability to have at your disposal a model that shows, hey, when you see these things that you know you've seen and they know they work, be able to give it to you so that you don't have to go see a thousand different players a year. You can say, okay, hey, these guys, based on our model, fit what we're looking for to allow you to be able to do more focused scouting, draft prep, and things like that. So... People, when they're doing a gut feeling is just it's what you've seen over and over again. What a, a model is doing is it's taking a giant amount of data and it is creating various, I guess, models. I kind of explained it in there, but uh, it's looking for patterns and trends uh, based on what you're querying that data for. In the same way that if you're a coach on the sideline, uh, you see a long third down, you know what another team's going to do even if you don't have a data model that says this is what they normally do. They kind mm -hmm. of come together in that same way. 
based on the questions you're asking, but it allows you to look at a much bigger data set than any human mind can handle. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Just to expand on that a bit further, you know, our brain capacity and our ability to remember certain situations is limited. But if you had the model that produced every example of what a team does on, you know, what a defense does on third and 11 against your team, it would be nice to have that data, you know, as much as that could be possibly available versus what you yourself can remember. Um, So I think that's something that coaches often seem to be against, but really it's just an improvement on something they're already very familiar with. That's right, Dave. I I totally agree with you there. Um, I think uh, as we'll talk probably on our next part of the year in the analytical six on the analytical series, um, when we start kind of shifting a little bit towards basketball, you know, I look at what the uh, 76ers with Brett Brown have been able to do that kind of really started underneath Hanky. Um, it just kind of changed the way that whole organization looked at statistics. Uh, we'll make sure we tweet out the link when we get get to that article and we kind of go through it. Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot of great things that, you know, the Sixers have done to really evolve how they think, especially concerning analytics and how to be able to take mountains of information and make it digestible because all the information in the world is great, but if you can't understand it or be able to have your players buy into it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, the application of the data is just as important as how you gather it. Let's switch gears towards baseball since Matt covers the Phillies organization. Are there certain teams that have leaned on analytics more so than others? And specifically speaking about the Phillies, has their stance evolved over time? It's no coincidence that some of the teams that are the best at it were the teams that were in the postseason this year. As for the Phillies, they notoriously, under Ruben Amaro Jr., they were actively anti-analytics. The department didn't exist really more than one person, maybe four years ago when Mm -hmm. the year before Matt Klintak took over as general manager. And since then, they've taken a huge leap forward in number of personnel. But kind of going back to the previous question as to why do people not trust it, a lot of this data is not tested. There's no, the data says this, this is here how I see it built out in results until you have those results. So in many cases, you're blind trusting a model that you can't just go out and run a bunch of simulations of football games or baseball games on some field and have it go prove that your data is right. That just doesn't work like that. Yeah, that's an awesome point. Um, We saw that last week when uh, the Giants went for two down eight. Um, It received a lot of criticism and the easy decision, I think, for coaches a lot of times is to avoid criticism and do what's conventional instead of risking unpopularity by going forward and having it fail. Um, So to your point, we saw that the week before with the Eagles doing it. But before that, we really haven't seen teams using that kind of math, saying that going for two when I'm down eight, you know, gives me two shots at getting two and possibly winning the game um, versus just taking the conventional route, kicking the extra point that the kicker misses it. It's more on him than it is on the coach. You mentioned the Phillies are getting more progressive under GM Matt Klintak. Have we seen this impact the types of players maybe they're drafting or they're signing in free agency? The signing would be Carlos Santana, where they they really valued that on-base percentage and working pitchers and getting that into the lineup. On the draft side, it's hard to say. They've tended to focus more on hitters, Mm -hmm. but it's such a small sample size because of who's available at each pick. Without seeing a full draft board, it's hard to know. Well, they were valuing this versus all the guys they liked were taken ahead of their pick. But analytics have also backfired on the Phillies this year. They went very shift heavy. They went very positional, positionless across the board. 
and whether the players weren't able to execute from being positioned in new places, do looks, being at positions they've never played before, or the model was incorrect and players were in the wrong positions, or the percentages were off. Either way, the Phillies' defense was horrible this year, and especially in the first half, the shifting was a big part of that, and it's hard to know how much of that is the analytics and the data and whether that was correct and how much of that was player execution, and the answer is is probably some of both. Yeah, that's very true. I guess my question, kind of, Matt, would be, you know, do you have to have, as an organization as a whole, really believing in, okay, hey, we've got to take – you know, for the Phillies, for example, we went from really being anti-analytic to let's embrace it. You know, how long does the organization have to go with and say, okay, hey, we're going to go do the analytical side, we'll go with the models, before the old convention of I need to save my job, so I know I, the closer's got to pitch the ninth, this guy's got to play here, this guy's got to play there. I think you can make that switch quickly if you have the people in the buy-in, and that's what they did when the hiring Kapler that's yep. up and down the organization. Um but you still have to get the data right. And we can talk about the timeline of the Phillies because there's a very like stark end and beginning. All of their internal models are under three years old. That's a lot, a lot to build in a very short time, whereas some of these organizations have been building internal models for a decade or more. And we see that on the public, the public side, too, with StatCast and what comes out, it's been collecting data for three or four years, and we're still gradually rolling out little things, little pieces of things, because the data set is so small, and it just takes a long time to develop anything. Matt, awesome insight. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Where can our listeners find you? So on Twitter, it is Matt underscore Winkleman, uh, and... I write periodically about Phillies prospects at philliesminorthoughts.com. Thanks, Matt. We really do appreciate you coming. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening to kind of hear part one of the our multi-part series going to be based around analytics. Um, as we as I just kind of gave you a little preview, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Sixers next week um, and how they've really changed things and kind of how deep they've gone into the uh, analytic pool. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Drew Ferraro. You can find the podcast at Evil Sports Pod. Uh, make sure you like, rate, review, uh, subscribe to the pod. We love hearing it from you guys. Uh, we've had some great feedback here in the, for the last couple of weeks about what's going on, uh, what you guys really like, so we do appreciate that. Uh, Dave, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Sure, I can be found at DSanders877. Again, I want to thank our guest, Matt, and we look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode.